Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Lynette. And I'm Sean. In today's episode, we have a discussion with Joanna and Matt, who are adoptive parents of two. We're really excited to share this with you. We are friends with Joanna and Matt, and we actually met at a soccer game that our kids were both playing in. You'll hear a little bit about that in the episode. But we wanted to share their experience and their story with you because we feel like they have a really good balance and understanding of what open adoption is and could be. And we just wanted to share their experiences so that others in the adoption community could understand. Again, we really appreciate Joanna and Matt for sharing their story with us and we'll jump to our conversation with them now. We are here on the podcast with Joanna and Matt. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. To start off, can you guys tell us a bit about yourselves? I will start. Grew up in Las Vegas and love music. I write songs for a living. And... Matt loves musicals, games, <laughs> and sports, and is very chill. Uh, is a great dad, too. So I'm a school teacher. Uh, I teach second grade. I love it. Uh, I was raised uh, in, as a military brat is the term that people use, but um, I moved around a lot. So um, we were in Europe for most of my growing up years. And then I came um, to Utah and then I met when we were pretty young. And then we got married at like 20 and 22. And then Matt and I do a YouTube channel together called Hopscotch, um, which is what he does with songwriting. So that's the basic gist. Uh, we like the outdoors. We love hiking. We love friends. We love traveling. Um, do you want to talk a little more about what Hopscotch is? Just in sure. case people are curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Hopscotch is the is kind of the union of our two hobbies. So I, as an educator and Matt as a musician, a few years ago, um, I wanted um, just better quality educational content for my kids uh, as a school teacher. And I asked, you know, I would look on YouTube and I was like, you know, these songs are kind of hard to listen to as an adult. And I would love to have something else that's fun for kids and adults to listen to. And so, um, so I asked Matt, could you, could you write a song about, like at the time I was like, could you write a song about seven continents? Could you write a song about um, skip counting? Could you write some songs in that sure. And then I started using them and then other teachers in the school started using them. And then I thought, hey, we could maybe share this with other people. And so we made a YouTube channel um, and hired some animators and just got a few off the ground. And then it's kind of just took off from there. And Hopscotch is really fun. I've watched some of the videos. You guys do a great job. Thank you. It's really fun. We enjoy it and we're always learning new things. So you said you got married at a relatively young age, and then how exactly did your adoption journey begin? So I have Crohn's disease, and so the first few years of our marriage were spent um, kind of in and out of hospitals, in and out of doctor's appointments, and Matt was such a good support to me um, as we figured it all out. And so um, after a few years of that and figuring out surgeries and medication, then we got to do the next adventure of infertility treatments. And so, um, and then a few years after that, we were kind of just feeling like overwhelmed with it all. Like we wanted to, we knew we wanted to be parents. That had always been part of our, our shared dream, our shared goals. I actually always kind of wanted to adopt as well. Even as a kid, my mom would joke that I was always, you know, when we played the game of life as a kid, I was like, taking all my siblings kids that they didn't because they don't want to pay you know because in the game of life you have to like pay taxes on your kids and my my siblings are very practical and they're like we don't want this I was like I'll adopt your you know it was ridiculous I was 10 years old and I was already like I want these children you could double decker car probably on the board yeah (laughs) ridiculous um we had always wanted kids and I started out saying like oh we want 10 kids and then um eventually realizing that that was not going to be our story. And then um, as we were kind of grappling with the, the heart-wrenching process of infertility, we opened up to the idea of maybe pursuing both at the same time, adoption and infertility treatments. And um, right as we had to kind of come to this, we got a call from Matt's parents and his cousin was expecting a baby and when and we had run into her at their grandpa's funeral that summer um and her life had just 
been really hard over the last few years. And um, this was an unplanned pregnancy and she was considering us to be adoptive parents and wondered if we were interested in adoption and if we would be interested in being a parent to this baby. Um, And we had no idea that she was considering adoption for this baby. Um, And we were very honored that she was calling through, through family just to see if we would be interested. And so we thought about it. Um, we're pretty, we're religious. So we prayed to God about it as well. And, um, instantly just felt very peaceful, um, and wrote a letter to her saying, thank you so much for considering us. We respect your right to choose and we respect that you're thinking about it. And we don't want to you to feel like you have to make a decision right away. Please let us know what questions you have. Cause she knew Matt pretty well. They grew up together. They're similar ages, um, but she didn't know me very well. We had met a few times, but um, not that much. So we we just wrote a letter saying, thanks for considering us. We are interested, but we also want you to know that we respect your right to change your mind at any point. Um, and at this point, she was seven months along. So baby was, was due. Um, yeah, not Uh, we didn't have a lot of time in between that call and then when he was born. And so, um, so we wrote a letter and then we heard back, Hey, we want to meet, let's talk. And so we made an appointment to meet with her and her parents who are Matt's aunt and uncle and then Matt's parents. So we met together. It was just a Sunday morning and, uh, we, we were, we were going in thinking like, you know, we were, we were going to, kind of talk about what the different possibilities might be and we were not at all expecting too much to happen from the situation necessarily but then we got there one of Celeste's first questions was so have you have you guys thought about what you're gonna name him and (laughs) (laughs) whoa Uh, whoa we were not expecting that we thought she would have a million questions for us before making a decision but she had already made her mind up she had purposely not contacted us until she was 100% sure about it Um, because she didn't you know want to get her hopes up and didn't I don't know didn't want to overcomplicate it I guess she was she was all in she like gave us some ultrasound pictures and we were just uh, overwhelmed with just like joy and kind of disbelief and gratitude (laughs) after you know she said what are you going to name and we said oh my goodness (laughs) wow well obviously like we at this point we had the call had happened at the beginning of August it had been maybe two weeks since that time. And so we had thought about it. We had texted a little bit about, about like the gender of the baby after we had talked. Um, and we had um, felt excited about the name Emerson, uh, who's our son's name. And uh, when we told her uh, like the name Emerson, she was really excited because uh, that's their grandpa's middle name who had, who had whose funeral it had been. And that's one of the places she had decided that she wanted to place him with us. And so, um, so it was kind of cool. And we thought that name was so fitting because it's their shared heritage. So as soon as we got the call, we had started on our, our home study process just in case, because we wanted to be ready. Um, and so as soon as we got the call, that was probably the first overwhelming thing. We had kind of looked into it before we even got the call because we had just opened up to the idea of adoption and simultaneously with infertility treatments and process of adoption because our expectations were very low we thought it would take a long time it would probably take years which was definitely more true with our subsequent adoption but um, in this case it was very quick and so we got paperwork and we went to a workshop a class workshop done through our local adoption specialists um, and it was awesome and they had lots of great things to help us understand a little bit more about how to create a better open adoption relationship and um, try and try and give us some more perspectives and I really appreciated those perspectives. I think we had always wanted an open adoption but um, going to those classes helped us to see some of the awesome benefits as well. It was really eye-opening um, and just really helpful. Most of it was just like hearing experiences from different people all on, you know, different sides of the triangle. It was just really great to, to see like, okay, there's like, you know, people have gone through this. Um, there's a community here. Another thing, because we are more distantly related, uh, when we sat down and met with Celeste, um, we wanted to just know what, what were her expectations? What do you want this option to look like? And she had similar questions for us, um, her mom, and dad had some great questions too. Like, is this 
going to be a secret? Is this going to, you know, um, and that was one thing that we really didn't want. We didn't want it to be a big, weird family secret that everybody knew he was adopted and he, you know, we just didn't want that. So right off the bat, I said, we don't want it to be a secret. We feel like this is one of the best things. Um, and we want, we want our ch child to know how special it is and not, and not have it be a secret or be weird between the families or um, create any mystery, you know? So, um, so that was great. We just started off with those sorts of things. How do we want it to look? Um, what are your expectations? What are your hopes and dreams? Are there any things that we should know that you're hoping for? Um, even with names, uh, her mom said, hey, we'd love to know your name just in case it's a name that Celeste doesn't like because maybe that would be bad, you know? And Celeste was like, hey, this is your kid. I'm not, you know, for her, she she was okay. She was like, I don't, this is not about me, which I honestly think it is about her and she's amazing. But for her, from her perspective, she was very thoughtful in just the process and we appreciated the discussion with her especially right at the beginning right at the onset and we tried to just be like <clears throat> open about like just trying to think of like anything that could like be it be like a hiccup in anything like okay what if we like move to England like is that would that be a problem like what if we you know it's like trying to like put it all out there at the beginning just so that it was just like clear communication and everyone knows what what we're expecting and that's great yeah and for some of us, that, she was like, yeah, that, that wouldn't be a problem. And, you know, for other people, it might be, and that would be okay. Um, but we just want to make sure we were actually the right, the right fit. She, right at the beginning, talked about the birth. We talked about a birth plan together. We talked, again, this was, this was 40 days before he was born. So it was a very quick turnaround <laughs> from the discussions and it meant that we needed well, from my perspective, I really wanted to make sure that we communicated so that it could be a, at least a little bit less traumatic um, for her, especially. And so, and she was very inclusive for us. She included, she invited us to all of his remaining appointments um, and to his birth. That was, it was really special to be there for that, um, for everything we could be. I remember we went out to lunch together after one of the appointments and just talked and because I mean, she, she knew Matt pretty well, but she didn't know me. And that was another question I had for her when we sat down the first time was what, like, what do you want to know about me? I know, you know, Matt, but what do you want to know about me? I, for all she knew, I could have been, you know, I could have been crazy, but the worst name. I, hopefully not. but she, she did mention, I've seen you over the years. We, I had Matt and I had been married six years and she said, I've seen you at family reunions. You've always been kind to my kids. I've seen, like, I've seen the way you're a teacher, you, you know? So she did have, I guess, some things that she knew about me, even if we hadn't talked a ton. And so that was really, I, I guess, really meaningful to me that she had enough, enough of a background with me to feel comfortable right at the beginning. And you know, we said, do you want to know about our potential parenting styles? Do you want to know about this? She said, I think it'll be great. It'll be great. You know, so she had a lot of faith and a lot of trust in us right at the beginning. And I think that helped us in turn to also have a lot of faith and trust in her over those next few months as we awaited our, awaited the arrival of this, this baby. She did have her priorities. Like she wanted this child to have like music in their life. She knew that was going to happen with our family she wanted she wanted them to have like um the church the um, her specific like the oh, beliefs yeah. and the, the belief community system. and stuff mm -hmm. that. so um so yeah she like had she had her the things that she wanted and um and everything else she was like yeah whatever <laughs> celeste invited both of us to be there she was like matt you know if you Joanna, if you feel comfortable being there, like I'm, I'm cool with that. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I'd love, love to be there for, you know, for my kids' birth. Yeah, we just, we all showed up early in the morning. Uh, it was, it was scheduled. She was scheduled to be, to be induced, and so um, we all showed up early in the morning, just kind of ready to, to wait however long it was going to be, and just be with her there. And um, uh, it was just really cool. Yeah. We had talked a little bit about the birth ahead of time. So I had never been to a birth before. This is a new experience. We tried Same. to do, we tried to do some 
basic research of what to expect. And I was a little nervous because Matt has been queasy in past medical procedures with me. And so <laughs> I was like, no, you got to get this together. We like, need to make sure we're prepared. Like Joanna's the one getting like needles put in her and I'm the one that's like getting lightheaded. Right? Yeah. And the nurse would be like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And we're not talking to you. But yeah, he, so, so we tried to do some research and we talked a little bit about what she wanted at the hospital. She had, she was so such a trooper and she had a good support system. Her mom was there. Um, she had a, a good friend with her as well. And so, yeah, so we, we kind of all went and she was really sweet. She was like, if you want a photographer there, if you know, so, so the, they, the hospital, this was obviously pre COVID. Um, but yeah, so we, so we had a photographer there, a good friend that takes pictures in the hospital and then, um, yeah. And, and so that was really sweet. Um, we were there at 6 a.m. and he was born at 6 p.m. So it was like 12 hours of hanging out together and Matt played on the guitar. Like we watched a movie, we talked, we took naps and it was really chill compared to the ones you see in the movies um, and just a special time together to talk. One thing that um, we had done because she loves music, music was a huge factor for her in picking us um, and in feeling like that connection with, with Matt and with her, they both love music. And so one thing we um, had done was to write a lullaby for, for our son um, in preparation. And so at the hospital, Matt played that lullaby for her and, um, and she loved it. And we kind of just cried together and talked about, you know, this baby that brought us together and, um, and it kind of changed our relationship. We'd always, we knew her, Matt had known her his whole life, but, um, but there was just a new connection. So, uh, so that was kind of a, uh, yeah, special moment in the hospital and trying to be there for her and not be in her way. And she showed up to the hospital with gifts for us, which we were absolutely shocked and a, a little bit, I don't know, mortified, like, you can't give me anything. You're already doing so much for us. But um, she said, I couldn't sleep last night. It's just like Christmas. I just am so excited for you guys to be parents. And so she had um, like, a, like, uh, like new parent gifts, you know, like a pillow and a sleep mask for me and then earplugs and just kind of funny <laughs> ones, but also, um, also just really sweet. We had some gifts for her, like flowers and um, some, I think some toiletries maybe. And the, but yeah, just a, a few basic things to help her help, hopefully help her feel a little more comfortable. But, um, but you know, like, what do you do for, for someone who is entrusting you with a child? You know, there's, there's just, there's just a huge connection to be able to share, share this baby together. And that was a little bit about the before the baby was born as the day got got on farther and he was getting closer to being born I guess she she had an epidural which was helpful so she could be more comfortable and a little bit more relaxed and then um and that was obviously all her choice when she was ready to to push and and we were all just yeah just there for it and it was just beautiful um she had we had talked ahead of time and she said I want it I want it to be as much like it's you your birth as possible. Like I did, she almost sounded like she didn't want to get in the way. And I was like, this is about, this is as much of your, your experiences as ours. So she was just very thoughtful. Um, very, very thoughtful. And I just hope that we were as thoughtful and, and considerate of her as well. Um, and so when he was born, the, like the doctor set baby on her and then later after he was all cleaned up passed him to me and then I I brought him over to her and we looked at him together and just admired this cute little human so but yeah I got, I got to cut the umbilical cord yeah so that's so cool pretty, yeah, yeah I did that I did that with our first as well it's the coolest yeah, it was that's awesome really special so yeah. special so yeah so that was his birth we were there at the hospital together and then we had a room right next door to each other and tried to make sure we talked to her ahead of time we want to make sure you get time with him and um, she was so wise and prepared she had also talked to a counselor we loved that she was getting um just both of us were getting some some help with counselors to make sure we were 
doing the best we could with the knowledge we had at the time, you know? Um, and so she spent some time on Sunday after like the morning after just talking to him one-on-one and, um, you know, we would go into her room, she would come into ours. We just tried, to, well, she, she couldn't move as much. So we just texted and wanted to, you know, when can we come in and spent some time together talking and admiring cute little human. That's awesome. That hospital time is amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. So what did placement look like with this specific situation? I know we're going to talk about your second adoption as well, but. We were in the room next door and the social worker came in and talked to her. We, I think that you're not supposed to be in the same room. I could be wrong. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we were wanting to just be respectful of whatever her needs were. So she had people with her, a good support system. And then afterwards we came in and chatted and she held him and she was very um yeah she just seemed pretty upbeat she knew what she wanted and um I'm sure that there was a lot more behind the scenes I'm sure there were there like I'm sure and also at the same time she um she did she had said from the beginning I know I know that this is what's best for him and this is what's best for me and this is um gonna be good yeah we spent some time together afterwards um but yeah we didn't do anything anything too different partly because from the beginning when we talked about it she was just so sure we did try and make sure because we live pretty close to each other um after he was born um we just tried to make sure especially at the beginning that we spent some time together so i think we saw each other about once a week for the first month she could just hold him and as he got a little older it became a little less frequent um not necessarily because we didn't we were so happy to for her to come and spend time with him and for us to spend time with her that was not an issue I think it was just as she was recovering and doing other things life gets busier as as he got older and so um but yeah we still we still enjoy time with her (laughs) so it's awesome well we'll probably ask lots of follow-up questions about both stories but do you want to tell us now about your second? So we were kind of putting putting a lot of effort into just like tell tell everyone that we know we were, we're hoping to adopt again, doing all this stuff on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we made like a little video about our family and like, um, I don't know, we were just we we're just like, all right, we're just going to like do all, all the stuff that we hear you're supposed to do and uh, and see what happens. We felt like with all the opportunities that we had seen, we weren't really financially in a place where we could do like a, like go through an agency. Um, so we were just like kind of hope, crossing our fingers for like someone to hear about us and for, for us, for another private adoption to just kind of happen. There was a few years of that. <laughs> <laughs> a few years, yep. <laughs> like a good four years of that, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then Emerson's five at this point and a couple of friends of ours um, uh, for jo- Joanna's birthday gave us like a huge check. Uh, out of the blue. Yeah, out of, just like for an unreal amount of money. And we were like, hold, hold on, like what is, what is this? Um, and, and I mean, they, they, they kind of, they kind of put it out as like, you know, we, we know you guys are wanting to grow your family. However, you need to do that. Um, we just felt like we, like, like God was telling us that this money wasn't for us. Like it, like it was for someone else. And we felt like it was for you. You can't really take that lightly. I don't, I don't know how you say no to that. You know? I mean, we did say no. (laughs) (laughs) At first we were like, you 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 should reconsider this and also we can't accept this because we're good enough friends that we don't want it to be weird and anyway but but they basically said like you know we we don't care what you do with this money like you can give it to someone else uh but we're not for all we care but we we don't want it back we it's just it's not for us it's not for us and at some point during these conversations i was realizing like well this this actually would would make would put an agency adoption within our reach um, and yeah, I told Joanne about that, and uh, and so we just sort of started thinking about it. Yeah, and this was the, I think 
um, this was like right after we had done two rounds of IVF. Um, we have tried to always pursue adoption and infertility simultaneously um, for multiple reasons. One is like, you don't have control over either, but when you're putting effort in, it feels like you have a little more control. You don't, but it, at least it feels like you do. So, um, so, you know, when one wasn't going well, we'd put a little bit more effort into the other one and vice versa. And so after a few years of trying for private adoption, that wasn't working, we thought, well, let's do IVF and we'll see how that goes. Um, we, we'd done lots of other infertility things, but never IVF. And so, um, so we did, so we did IVF and then it didn't work. And then we did another round and then it did work. And then I had a miscarriage. And so it broke me emotionally and it changed a little bit about the way I felt about loss. And so that was another obstacle later on with this particular adoption. That was a little bit harder for me than, than it had been with Emerson, um, initially, but, with that, all of the, our friends said, we, you've already spent this money in much, much more. So as far as we're concerned, we're just helping pay for all your infertility treatment. It wasn't even necessarily paying it forward, but to us, we felt like, um, like just maybe, just maybe it could put us in with, within reach of an agency if that was the right thing for our family. Um, and I still had heard a lot of things about agencies. I was kind of a little worried, um, but we would get uh, because we had always stayed home study ready and tried to be current, we did get, still get emails from our social worker about possible situations. And one particular situation caught our view and um, it was a birth mom in out, out of state from an agency that was looking for a couple with our same religious background um, and faith. And so, um, and we looked at it and we thought about it and said, oh, sure, why not? We've got that, you know, we had this kind of kick to, to think about it. And so we just emailed and said, yeah, we're interested, you know, and um, yeah, we shared our profile with them. And then we got a call from her, from the agency saying she wanted to talk with us over the phone. And so they patched us through and all the while they have an agency representative there and, um, and we talked and then we heard that she liked us and she wanted to go forward. And so then we had this mountain of agency paperwork that was so scary. <laughs> it was a lot of things to sign and a lot, a lot, a lot of money that we didn't, I mean, we, we did have some, but it was, you know, maybe going to be for a down payment for a house or something else. And so it was, it was just a different experience and it was hard because I didn't like that. I didn't like thinking about money when I thought about growing my family. And yet in the world of infertility, there, that's, that's the way it is either way, you know, you, you invest in your family. Um, and, and yet it still feels like dirty to think about it that way. And I don't like it. And, um, it was uncomfortable and it was out of my realm of experience. And so there was a lot of things, um, going into this that were different. And yet when we talked to her, it just, um, she was just fun and very chill and a little, a little more frank, like just calling it how she saw it. And um, we, we liked her a lot. And also, again, it was similar with Celeste where we were like, just to make sure, like you, you picked us on a phone call. You've never, we, I mean, she had seen our profile. She knew a little bit more about us, but um, I, we asked to talk to her again before signing anything. Cause we just wanted her to know it like, not, not to know if she was going to place with us necessarily, but if she was thinking about placing with us to know what she was getting, to know <laughs> what she was choosing, because I just, I still was like, I know that that's what our profile says, but just to make sure. So we talked, we talked again on the phone. We, um, I, again, I was like, just so you know, I didn't vote for so-and-so or I didn't, you know, like I just really wanted her to know just in case, what if we're not a good fit? What if she doesn't like us? And I want her to know immediately because I didn't want to get her hopes up or anyway. So like we, we might not be dog people. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a deal breaker? Is it a deal breaker? You know, <laughs> and, and cause that's something that was, she did, she does love dogs. And so, um, so we talked and then, you know, she, once we said, yeah, and we moved forward and then we asked the agency to just be able to talk with her again. And that apparently isn't as common with this particular agency. And so we did have to kind of advocate for that. And um, I, but I think it was good. We, she, she, and we just like to get getting to know each other a little better. And, um, and so, yeah, we signed paperwork and we asked the agency to kind of move forward um, with doing an open, uh, 
open communication agreement, which was separate so that we could get each other's contact information outside. Because up until this point, an agency representative had to be available and had to be there to listen in on both sides of the conversation. Yeah, she didn't know our last names. She didn't know our last, last name. We didn't know hers. They had it all redacted just to make sure that um, privacy was respected, which I get from an agency point of view. We respect that, that that's the way it's done. Um, and also it was just a different world to us. And so we were, there was a big learning curve. Um, but as we got to know each other more and talked a little bit more frequently, uh, it, it was fun to get to know her. And also I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety about um, just the recognition that, uh, that I knew what loss felt like, and I didn't really want to get attached because what if it didn't work out? And I wanted to respect her right to parent if she chose to do that. Um, in both of our children, both of our children, their birth parents are older than us, um, which also, uh, I, I liked that because I felt like they were coming from a place of wisdom and both have, um, parented other children and are wonderful wonderful moms. And so they have a lot to offer with wisdom and ideas and anyway, but at the same time, there's an anxious part of me. So that, that was a reality of, of, um, of the situation, which we, it was five months before birth. Um, and so that whole time on the back of my mind, was a little bit of, I felt like I was going a little crazy. I'm excited, but I don't want to be excited. So there was a little bit of that. And um, anxiety yeah I want to prepare but I don't want to prepare in case something in, in case she changes her mind which I want to respect and I want to make sure that I'm okay with that because I feel like you need to be okay with either one this is still this is her baby it will always be her baby even if we adopt him we share this baby and so anyway um and he can also be my baby but just you know just a little bit of so yeah I did definitely meet with a counselor and try to work through some of that. And, and then we also wanted to meet her in person because she lives out of state. And so we planned a trip to go see her in June. He was born in August. And um, so we went down and visited her and this was all, you know, arranged with her, what she felt comfortable with and found our own accommodations, obviously, and um, met up with her and um, met her, um, some of her family members. And that was really fun. Um, and nerve wracking. <laughs> and with our first, with our first son, it was easy to be like, yeah, we're going to be great parents because we didn't have any kids yet. So of course we were going to be great parents. <laughs> it's, all hypothetical. it's all hypothetical. But with this next, with our second son, we, we now we have a five-year-old. And so when we met her, we were very aware that she was going to watch us parent our son for, you know, the days we were with her. And, and at the on the one hand of, of course, we want to be open and honest and who we are. And also you want to present your best foot. And yeah, our, the first time we saw her was the first hour of church. Our, our five-year-old is like, we're trying to like help him sit through this, uh, this, this meeting of speakers and, you know, no, nothing for kids. And, uh, and we're traveling, so we don't have all of our normal resources and it's been a pandemic. So he's not used to sitting in church and <laughs> it was like a little bit of a comedy. And also she was super cool and kind about it. And just, <laughs> and she, she had invited us to come to her church, her congregation to, um, cause she wanted to introduce us. She was like, I want you to meet my people. I want you to meet my friends. And so it was just, it was very nerve wracking. Like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to meet your friends. We're going to just like feel so vulnerable, right? Right. Just like, this is who we are. And also I hope you like it, but you might not. <laughs> so For that to be the like first place with a lot of other people around, I'm sure that that could be <laughs> really challenging. Yeah, but she was, she had a whole itinerary planned, like she, we went on hikes together when we went, to, like when we went and she wanted to show us her favorite spots. Um, she showed us around the area and the local mine and um, she had friends that hosted us for dinner. And so it was really special. We felt like we understood her so much better after that trip to really get to know her and to honor um, her family and to honor some of the things that she finds that she loves, like the outdoors. Um, and uh, we met her dogs who are very cute. We'd say we're not dog people, but we actually, I love other people's dogs. I just, <laughs> I feel like I'm, a, I'm not ready to commit to owning one because I want that creature to have the best life. And I, I feel like Matt and I <laughs> are too much of a borderline dog people, but, uh, but yeah, you get it. You get the idea. So, yeah. So we went out to meet her and then, um, and then we just, oh, we got to go to a, like an ultrasound appointment um, to, 
and talk to her doctor and kind of the doctor was really good about saying let's talk about a birth plan let's talk about what you want it to look like and so that gave her an opportunity to kind of open up some more questions and discussion about what we wanted it to look like and yeah so then we came back for the birth so leaving our other son in the care of grandparents and again it's out of state so um we she had a scheduled induction and then we went out of state and to this induction date and then um the hospital where she lives is small and they didn't have room so every day she called for a week and was expecting to go in and every day for a week they said call again tomorrow call again tomorrow call again tomorrow and so in that time um we hung out <laughs> we, we did a lot together we went out to eat we played games um and it ended up just being a really cool bonding experience to have some more time together especially because our son was still with grandparents and so before we had been kind of just making sure our son's needs were met and now we could really just make sure that um that our uh, katie's needs were met and so so our son's birth mom's needs were met and so that was really fun and special and we actually really appreciated that extra week with her i played a lot of baseball with one of her other sons yeah <laughs> oh that's fun every day we just went out and hit baseballs and while we waited <laughs> i can't wrap my mind around that with the hospital saying you can't come yet. Yeah, that's so wild. But it sounds like it worked out well. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't go past her initial due date. I think that was also part of my anxiety. I was like, "What if I get a call and I'm not ready?" And then she lives this far away, and you know, there's always that at the back of your mind when it's an out of state, um, out of state experience. But um, but yeah, it was it was wonderful, and I really think that the time. The t every t thing that we did ahead of time to get to know her was helpful for everyone in the process. Um, I think she she's expressed appreciation for that as well, just to really know us better. And um, and then when it came time for her to give birth, she just knew that we loved her and cared about her so much, and that we honored the wishes that she had for this son, and um, and that we continue to honor her every day, same as our other son's birth mom. And so, um, so yeah, we went to the hospital. I, I went, she invited me to the birth. She was a little less comfortable with Matt being there, just being an unrelated male. Um, and, Understandably. And it worked out because now it is COVID times. And so she could only have two guests with her. One was her friend as a support and then the other one was me. And so um, we were there and this one was a, a, a overnighter so i slept on a pad on the on the floor of labor and delivery it was a little bit slower with the induction and you know was embarrassed that i snored i felt so embarrassed by that <laughs> so things like that but um so yeah and then he was born the next day and it was surreal i felt so privileged to be there and i got to cut the umbilical cord for our second son um so that was that was fun and nerve-wracking and um, just be a support system to his birth mom throughout the birth, be there to help her when she got her epidural. And um, I think just, yeah, just kind of a special privilege to be there. And not, not one that's common in the, as far as I know in the adoption world, but we, we felt so grateful for the relationship that we had with both of them that allowed for that situation to be comfortable for all parties. I love that. So what does your relationship look like now with, with all of your birth family? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's like dual, dual roles. Like they're my like extended family, but they're like his birth family. I think maybe like more, even more. Yeah. More. Uh, at this point. Um, and, and, and therefore like our, our immediate family, it seems relationship wise so i can give you some examples we um with with emerson's birth family he does have birth siblings and so we um, love to be together for birthdays for their birthdays for emerson's birthday when possible birthdays are fun a fun way to make sure we have some events planned specifically for those things usually we get together around christmas we get together because they're in state and they're close by so it's a little easier um but emerson's always invited to their birthday parties and then we usually try and do something special with his birth mom around her birthday um this last year we had her over for some cake and we played some games and Emerson had picked out a present for her. And um, so that was fun. 
uh, those are some things that we like to do. And then usually at Christmas we'll go sledding together or um, they were kind enough to have us up for dinner this year, which was really special. So yeah, usually about three or four times a year we'll get together and then we'll, we do some Marco Polos back and forth um, and things like that. Uh, and then with um, Katie, with our, other, our newborn's birth mom, we, because she's out of state, we do a lot of Marco Polo and we text and send pictures. And then we also had her up here for Christmas this year, um, which was really special. We loved that. We, it was a meaningful time to be able to spend where we had gone to see her friends and met her in her world before he was born. And then now after he's born to invite her into our world so that she could see our friends and um, kind of see him settled and spend some quality time together. So she and she has some family in the area up here, so we could kind of split time. She could split time and have have some time with us, and then if she needed to retreat, then she could. So that was really, uh, I I loved it. I think she, I think they did too. So yeah, we, it was really fun. We went sledding and we made tie dye shirts and we went out to eat and we um, went to a basketball game and they went to a batting cage while she and I went and did errands together and. Um, you know did some touristy things in our own town which is always fun but yeah so we tried we um we mainly just want it to feel like family in the end right so there will always be some things maybe some messier things so far we I feel like we've tried really hard to be good communicators and open up the door so that if there are things that they're feeling uncomfortable with they can share that with us but um, um I wanted to add uh initially with Emerson's birth mom Celeste uh uh we wanted to establish a way that we could like send pictures because she wanted like pictures but she also um wanted to like see them on her timetable um so it wasn't just like us texting her pictures at maybe a time that she wasn't uh feeling like emotionally up, up to to seeing them um and so that that was like the only the whole reason we got instagram got an instagram account it was for that so we could just put the pictures up she could go on whenever she wanted to see them and and then it, it turned out to be also a bonus for the grandparents because because then they could see all the pictures too <laughs> i think with katie she doesn't have any any social media right so mm -hmm. so that's more just like marco polos and and texting back and forth and 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 we do send pictures to her and she sends, she sends pictures to us too, so it's fun. So I think a lot of what you shared, um, at least for hopeful adoptive couples that are listening, could probably glean what they could do to foster relationships both before a child's born and after. Any other advice that you might give or kind of lessons learned either before or after placement to build those relationships? Again, I think what you shared is beautiful, but if anything advice-wise that you would share definitely read about it and understand multiple perspectives. I think no matter how, how much I know, there's always more to learn. And so that's been very humbling, even between our first adoption experience and our second. Um, I feel like I learned a lot more after, like in, in between that and trying to advocate for ethical adoption trying to, that was something we did with our agency was we tried to, we tried, I don't know that we succeeded, but we tried to make sure, um, and ask good questions and check on the ethics of it and check to make sure that her needs were met. That was one thing where we hear a lot about private adoption versus agency adoption. And there was a lot that we learned about that in the process. One of the things that Katie appreciated about her, the agency as a birth mom is that they were really watching out for her. She had people to advocate for her all along the way. And because it was a good experience for her, I feel like that was a huge that's huge, right? So um, even if I have maybe other questions that I would love to know a little bit more about agencies in general, for this specific experience, for this specific birth mom, it was a good experience for her and I appreciate that. Um, and I want to, you know, make sure that every single adoption is perfectly ethical. And I think that that's our responsibility as adoptive parents to make sure we advocate for, for um, good practices and make sure that not only are we following the law, but we're making sure that birth mothers are advocated for because so often they're taken advantage of. And so um, we, we are not perfect. Matt and I are definitely not perfect at that, but we were trying. Um, and as you learn more about it, um, you just, you know, do your best to make sure that their needs are taken care of. 
um, we asked a lot about what, like the services she had that they had available to her with counseling, with post-placement care. Um, and along the way, they, they were really solicitous and made sure that she had her needs met. I know that sometimes agencies get a bad rap, but I, I do want to say that for, for, for this relationship, for this birth mom, um, that was a huge part for her, that she appreciated that support system. So that is one thing I wanted to say. Another one, as you talk, as you think about adoption, um, we, we talk about open adoption, but the agency was like, there's a lot of different versions of open adoption, right? So even as we talk about open adoption, there's so many different ways that open adoption can look. Um, and so that was one thing that we talked a lot about with Katie and her family coming as they, you know, they knew they wanted an open adoption, but Katie said at Christmas when we were hanging out together, like, I knew I wanted open, but I'm so grateful that it's this kind of open, you know, I'm so grateful that we, we really can just talk and, and communicate. And it's not just like a, you know, she and I, she and I both laughed because after, after our second son Theodore's placement, um, we both signed open communication agreements through the agency that just like ensure that we communicate with her every three months and via, you know, picture or this or that. And um, she was like, this is ridiculous. They're going to text me all the time. I don't even have to sign this. And I was like, that's so good that you felt that we want that, you know, and we feel the same way that we're, of course we'll sign it because we would love to do more than that. And we're going to, you know, not, a, not everyone is going to have that. Um, you know, there might be, there might be people who are, who are less comfortable with that on on any side of it um and you know we're just we're just grateful for the degree of communication that we have with, with our kids families and also for our it's like not just for us sometimes people be like oh good for you but it's not it's not for us like it's it's for everyone it's for the health of all parties involved um our son is five and he for the longest time thought every baby was adopted like whenever our friend our friends you know we're having a kid and it's like oh cool where's the where's the birth mom like who is the baby coming from like he, he legitimately thought adoption was the typical or, way or like when my sister was pregnant was like oh are we gonna adopt that baby too like <laughs> which of course we were <laughs> horrified that he said at the time but to him adoption is just so normal it's not it's not a you know it's it's not a weird thing it's just like obviously i remember our daughter saying similar things she a asked lot. someone someone like saw at the store grocery store who was pregnant she asked if she was going to place her baby with us <laughs> yeah we can definitely and we like died yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was very natural in our family and definitely weird for that woman <laughs> i'm sure yeah. <laughs> yeah yes so so i i think I think also people, obviously every situation is different. When we talk to people about adoption, they almost seem threatened by the idea of birth parents being involved in your kids' lives. And I, um, and it saddens me a little bit just because I, I don't understand that. I, I, I guess I do understand it theoretically, but in our lives, um, our, our kids' birth parents have been nothing but supportive and kind and uh, just another person rooting for them. And so um, even at Christmas, both birth, both of our son's birth moms got presents, not only for their son, but also for the other one. And it was just like, just part of the family, you know, and um, and like birth grandparents and um, birth dads that we're, we're connecting a little bit more with, but we, we just so much appreciate um, that we, can understand our kids a little bit more from their heritage and honor that so that as they grow up, they just have like lots of cool families to, to be there to root for them. And so um, another thing that we want to say to other couples, I guess, would be um, not everybody who adopts has infertility as part of their journey. But if infertility is part of your journey, um, it, it will continue to be part of your journey. And so I think that's been something for me is someone told me, you know, adoption will cure childlessness, but it won't cure infertility. Um, and so just at the end of the day, you're, you have to, there will be still be emotional work to do. Not, um, I think just the process of being a mother is amazing. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And also it, I will always mourn the fact that I don't have control over when and how to build my family. That will always 
you know, I, I, I think I'm over, I think I'm good, and then it will come up again. And so trying to make sure that I have a healthy um, support system surrounding infertility and, um, and a healthy appreciation for the fact that our kids' genetics are different than us, and we love that. Um, and also, it still is funny to us because people think, oh, he looks so much like you, or, or and, and with our second son, who doesn't really look like us, I'm still amazed because we're like, oh, he's going to be so tall. And like, that's so great that you, that you <laughs> I, maybe he will be, maybe he will be, but we love them for where they are and not necessarily because they're like us, but because they're because they are them. Um, and we love seeing, we love seeing the biologies and the similarities they have with their birth parents to us. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess that's some things to think about. We are grateful for infertility because that has been a journey that's brought us to our kids, but we also know that it, it is a continual something to work through and something to figure out. And, um, yeah. And the bond, like, obviously there's a different bonding process when they come from outside of your body versus inside of your body. And so, um, not one is not superior to the other, but they are different. So I would imagine, but, um, I don't know the other side. So <laughs> I don't know. There's just always more to learn. I don't know everything, but I think just coming from a place of humility and trying to learn more and talking to other adoptive parents, I, Sean and Lynette are you guys were so helpful to talk to as we were waiting to adopt Theodore and so that was really helpful for us in our journey to just have another another other adoptive parents and other experiences to learn from so maybe I'll just put in like how randomly it was that we met (laughs) Um, (laughs) that we had boys on the same soccer team and we had been recently approved to adopt a fifth time and um, I saw your picture on their website as a hopeful adoptive couple. And I was like, I swear I saw them like yesterday. And then we went to another soccer practice or soccer game. And I was like, yep, that's them. And uh, <laughs> really awkwardly came over. I'm like, Hey, uh, you're hoping to adopt, right? <laughs> Not awkward. But making, well, okay. Well, in my mind, I'm like, I hope this doesn't come out awkward, but I think just connecting with other people and having those type of conversations with people that are in similar situations is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And, um, and I think just there most, as far as I've met, a lot of parents are so happy to talk about it. You know, like if you have, if you have an adoption experience. So we haven't talked about this one yet. What are some of the lessons that the adoption process has taught you? Just like the, the reality that like, I don't know, I think before, before adoption when it was just like this thing that we wanted for so long you know uh, I think I idealized like how awesome of a parent I was going to be because like you know we've had we've had so much time to just like uh, plan it out and just like I don't know uh, we're just like so mature Uh, and then and then they come and they're and they're kids and and like yeah, it's it's still hard. It's it's still like you're still gonna fail. Like we're still gonna do things wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Just because we, you know, wanted it really mm-hmm. a lot doesn't mean that we're gonna be superior at it. But um, yeah, we had a lot of friends around us having children, and it's like, ooh, let's do that as parents. Let's not do that as parents. <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure that and then, people say the same about us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think the importance of continuing or or just continuing to learn about adoption has been important Um, um, and listening to adoptee voices. That's something I always like to ask if someone says, oh, I'm adopted. I always like to ask, tell me more. Tell me more about what did you like is like being an adopted child. What, you know, so that's something that I, I, I try and learn more as much as I can. I think Matt, you're the same. We try and learn a little bit more. And then also learning to be a little bit more open about expectations with people with, you know, language. And I think we've tried to, as we learn more, try and share that with friends so that we can, uh, you know, eliminate the the word real mom forever from people's vocabulary. Um, And and then also at the same time do it in a loving way that's not offensive. So it's it's tricky. It's awkward. It it can be awkward at times. I, like I, I, f- I feel very strongly about it, but I, I even still like have a hard time calling people out on things, uh, especially if 
their good friends or family members, um, Joanna's much better at it. I don't know about better. I try and mm. we don't want anyone to feel sad. So I, that's what's one thing is as we've adopted, we've tried to do is be like, oh, as a reminder, like just either on social media or family text, like here are some of the things that we can do to help, you know, our child feel more comfortable as an ad adoptee in our family. You know, here are some things that we can do. So try and do it a little bit preventatively, not just as a it's like a reprimand as a reprimand or a response you know um and then as needed every once in a while um it's mainly when they i try and do it more when they're talking about other people because you still hear the phrase like in the family culture people are like oh yeah they adopted and then they had one of their own right and then we try and just very gently say like oh did they have a, you know a biological child after they adopted that's really neat or could we say and, that yeah, yeah but just try and do it gently and then I think we still made people feel awkward every once in a while, but most of our, our friends and family are really open to it at this point. They know that we're, they know that we're doing it out of love and not out of judgment and just trying to help foster that change. And because it's important to us that our kids, it, it, they will always, people will always say things, right? It's going to happen. But in our immediate family and extended family, that's something that, that we do try really hard to work towards. Um, and, and we, you know, people have apologized. I'm so sorry. I said, that. It's, it's totally fine. We, we don't want you to feel sorry. We are just trying to help form different patterns for the future. So, so yeah, that would be one thing. Um, and then also trying to include our extended family as we develop relationships with our birth family. Um, and so, uh, yeah, getting, helping foster those relationships so that, um, my mom likes to send pictures to each of them. My mom, you know, my mom wants, um, and I, and I love that. I love that, um, Katie has both my mom's number and Matt's mom's number. And so, um, I, I like that we don't have to be the only ones to include them in our family. So a lot of our listeners are considering adoption for the first time. You've gone through this twice now. Uh, what, if any advice would you give to someone at the beginning of their adoption journey? I would say, let go of some control. <laughs> like you, I think just changing expectations at the beginning. I, I also just say like assessing what it is that draws you to adoption. What it is you're expecting out of it, working out together what it is that you want it to look like for, for you specifically. Yeah, I think even looking at, um, especially at the beginning, people will start asking, like, are you, you know, are you open to a child with special needs? Are you open to foster care? Are you open? There are a lot of different paths to adoption, right? Um, agency, private, foster, there's so many different ones. And each each of them has um, a di like different things about them. And so I would just try and educate yourself on what does each of those potentially look like. And then also remember, um, there are a lot of waiting couples. And so, um, I think a lot of times, uh, agencies or other people lure you in by being like, oh, you can adopt faster by doing this, or you can adopt faster by doing that. And that is, that is possible, but, but then also just changing your expectations a little bit to be more open to the fact that it might take longer. It might, your, your timeline might not work out. Maybe it will, and maybe it won't. And so, um, I, I feel bad saying this because it sounds depressing, but honestly, I think it would have helped me a lot to just say, I'm going to look anywhere between it taking two years to 10 years. And what can I do in a healthy way to help promote this adoption without feeling like it's completely out of my hands? Because it is, it truly, a lot of it is out of your hands. Not everybody's going to feel comfortable being an, an influencer on Instagram. I'm sorry. Like I, I'm not that person and I wish I was, but I'm not, you know? And so, but at the same time, I remember with our first son being like, nobody's going to choose us. We're like poor, we're a teacher, a musician. And then that was exactly what Celeste wanted was, a, you know, teacher, musician. A poor so, teacher and musician. So, a poor, <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, like if, if it's meant to be, it, it will be. And also just, being the best that you can be and understand the process better so that when it does come, you're ready for it and you have a better perspective. Cause I think um, desperation makes us do silly things sometimes or um, feeling out of control can, can be hard. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't like know living life in the meantime, right? Yeah. Like, do 
do cool like we're things. not just like we're not just like sitting down like waiting for this to happen um we you know we we have to live until it does right yeah and live so that it sounds I don't know maybe that's not the best advice so take it with a grain of salt but those are some things that I think can help with a healthy hoping to adopt and waiting waiting for this special thing but I really do feel like um whatever high higher power or higher being or peaceful place that that you can go to to um trust in that trust in like the the good the good in the universe that that nobody else is going to take your baby if this baby's meant for for you and your spouse um or you 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 know um then then do everything you can and then also sit and do other healthy things so i don't know if that makes sense but i think especially hoping to adopt can be really obsessive also i would say if you're at the beginning of your journey please like start watching out for scammers they will come these are not necessarily like the most positive happy things <laughs> that i'm sharing so i apologize but um, <laughs> in the adoption world there's so many vulnerable parties right a, and a birth mother is very vulnerable um can be very vulnerable and adoptive parents are very vulnerable because they want this so much and so and unfortunately other people know that and they prey upon both parties and um and sometimes even I've seen adoptive parents in desperation do things that are not like, I don't know, just not super ethical or not super great. And so I would say just be the best you can be and educate yourself and do do what you can, but don't, I feel like some people go all out and overboard trying to attain something that really truly is out of your control. Yeah, yeah for I sure. think that's awesome advice. I think as a brand new adoptive couple, we were thinking about like, all of the things that we could do to make it happen faster. Um, when, I mean, the first time, right. When we could have been like developing ourselves in meaningful ways so that we would be better individuals and a better couple and better parents ultimately. Right. But it's so easy to get kind of obsessed and so tunnel vision that I think the advice that you give is really important that you have to take a step back and realize that, it's not probably going to look exactly like you think it will. Yeah, the timeline might not work out right. Um, and and for us, this has been the same with infertility. This is the same with like adoption, where we have a certain timeline and hopes and expectations. And with all of that, it was like a lot of loss, a lot of a lot of dashed expectations, a lot of things that didn't work out. And so we tried to come up with things that we were looking forward to along the journey, so that we didn't have to only rely on that specific part of our life. Um, but that being said, like there, there are good support systems out there because it is an emotional journey <laughs> regardless of what it is. Right. Like, but, and the waiting process is emotional, but in, like, even as I talked about Theodore's Theodore being born, that was emotional. And, and as far as like anxiety and feeling, I don't know the right word maybe bonded to this baby. Cause I was just still worried. Um, and then afterwards feeling a lot of guilt that uh, you, you just want so much for this wonderful, like wonderful person who's given life to your child to, to be happy and to have their needs met and knowing full well that they're in, it is a tough thing. They're grieving and they're going through a loss. And so um, seeing that up close and it's, 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 it's beautiful and it's also hard and it's worth it. And it's also hard. And, oh, I'll say just like, as you're learning, like agency versus private are both are both options. We had obviously ruled it out for a long time with agency. Um, someone had told us if you do end up going through an agency, your village will help. Like you have a village, call on them, and they really did. And I would say honestly, if you're considering adoption for any reason, talk to a therapist. Like we're all about going to see a counselor. Matt and I have both seen counselors for different parts of our life, whether infertility or loss or. Um, just like dealing with things. And so, I mean, I know maybe it's a taboo, but we're pretty open about it and it's been great. We, we each have our own counselor and <laughs> we see them every once in a while. I saw them more, more frequently when we were waiting for Theodore, cause it was just, you know, something more to work through. People are welcome to reach out to us too. Our, I, my Instagram's pacefam2010. And then, um, we can also find our at hopscotch stuff. So, 
we're pretty open, happy to share whatever with people. Add us to your community. If you want to talk to someone we talk about, we, Sean and Lynette have been there for us. We would love to be there for you, whoever you are on your journey and feel free to ask questions. And um, we, we have talked to other couples one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we don't know everything. We definitely still have a lot to learn, but we're grateful for that. Grateful for that. this way of building our family. So We just know most things. <laughs> I hope the sarcasm comes through over there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say any parting words, Matt, but I think that sums it up, right? <laughs> I feel like Matt's been so good with his dad jokes recently. Just something is crying. That's right. Sorry for talking your ear off. Adoption has it. helped me with my dad jokes. Yes. <laughs>for listening to this episode of the open adoption project and thank you again so much to joanna and matt i loved how joanna talked about how her mom and matt's mom also both have relationships with their kids birth moms right i thought that was really neat how i think what she said was their family to all of our family right and so their whole families has adopted their kids' birth family, and it's just grown all across the board. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, I love that relationships are created through adoption, and I think most people just assume that it's the parent-child relationship that's created or the birth parent and adoptive parent relationship, but really it could be so much more. And I think Joanna said this, but, you know, the more people we have in our village – the more love that our children feel, uh, it's just going to be the best thing and the, maybe a better thing for them. Yes, and I loved what one of their kids' birth moms said, that she was so grateful that it was this kind of open because there are so many different kinds of open and adoption. Open adoption can mean such a huge array of different things, right? It can be just some emails every now and then, or it could be in-person visits and seeing each other frequently. It just looks so different in every situation. But I feel like one of our main goals and purposes is trying to help take fear out of the equation when trying to determine what kind of open adoption relationship is best for you and your family. Taking that fear out and just looking at what is really going to be best for your child. Yeah, I totally agree. We are wrapping up season two of the podcast. We have two more episodes left for this season, and then we'll be taking a short break and getting ready for season three, which we're super excited about. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We invite you to share our podcast with your friends or family members so that they too can be more educated and understand more experiences in the adoption community. We are grateful to each of you as our listeners and really hope that this podcast is beneficial to you. Thanks so much. And we'll be back next week.